Hi, I'm Dr. Stan Steindl. Welcome to Compassion in a T-Shirt in Session. Today we'll be speaking with Dr. Johannes Grazer, who is a clinical psychologist, a CBT and CFT therapist, and researcher and lecturer. He's based at the Wittenherdeck University in Germany. His research focuses on CFT with people who have developmental disabilities and also persistent depressive disorder. He likes to perform stand-up comedy with his humour and intellect about on par. I do hope you enjoy being in session with my friend Dr. Johannes Grazer. Well, welcome, Johannes Graza. Perfect. Um, thank you. Yes, it's wonderful to uh, get a chance to chat with you on Compassion in a T-shirt in session. Where are you at the moment? Uh, I'm in Bochum, which is in the west of Germany, and um, that's where I live with my girlfriend. Oh, now I can say not with my fiance. Oh, uh, two weeks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, Thank you. Yes, you've heard um, it first on Compassion in a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's that's lovely, right. Lovely news. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's uh, close to where she and I work. Um, right. She works in Düsseldorf at a university hospital, and I work in Witten at a university, um, which has an outpatient clinic as well where I work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, I was trying to think. We've we've caught up a couple of times face-to-face, -face, I guess, in, in um, certainly Edinburgh and possibly, was it Manchester London, or Birmingham? London and Manchester, I think. London and Manchester. You weren't at, at um, Edinburgh last year? Yes, I did. Two years ago. No, I was, I was, I was. Yeah. But the first time we met, I think, was in Manchester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is actually yeah. quite a few years now, isn't it? It's it yeah. time passes. And you were saying to me, just prior to us hitting the record button that, that you spent a, a year in, in Darwin, in Australia. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It was like nine or 10 months. And there was, um, I actually tried to do my community service in Australia, which is, which is mandatory for Germans to either do um, a 10 months of military service or community service. Um, mm. And I, I tried to do that in Australia, but that didn't work. And so I did that in Germany first, but then I still felt, oh, I want to, see a bit more of the world before I go to university mm. and applied for this volunteering project in, mm. in Darwin, um, which was a mixed, uh, mixed uh, school for both like, um, like Aboriginal boarding school and, and kids and like kids from Darwin that lived there. Mm. Um, and I had, was an assistant teacher like for, for maths, for uh, spelling, but the best subject was actually outdoor education oh. where the Aboriginal kids taught all the other guys like me uh, about the nature that was awesome oh, yeah wow what yeah. an incredible experience and you know mm -hmm. so so much to learn there there for you oh my but God. also you know that 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 sort of generous spirit that you've got i i know we'll, we'll talk a bit later about maybe some other work that you're doing as well but i i wondered whether we could start yeah just just maybe kind of telling us a little bit about you and and perhaps yeah where 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 you've kind of come from in your life what what's the mm -hmm. Johannes Graza story? 
Oh, that's oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so I actually before that whole volunteering experience and community service experience, I didn't know yet where to go in my professional life. Like, I didn't feel prepared for that question after high school. So, but that community service time and the volunteering time helped me a lot to decide. The uh, community service I spent in Stuttgart in a, um, sh a sheltered workshop for people with um, disabilities. And that was also very, um, a, a great time, honestly. And that's where I met the first psychologist I ever um, encountered. She, she worked at that um, place. And that's how, I, how my interest in philosophy, uh, psychology was sparked. Mm. And um, from then, um, yeah, I, I, um, then I started studying psychology and, um, yeah, loved it. Um, wasn't yet sure to go into uh, clinical psychology, but um, uh, after my first clinical internship, I knew it uh, that I want to do it. I, I, I loved it actually. Mm. And um, then, uh, fast forward a few years after um, um, finishing the studies, I started um, clinical training um, in Frankfurt, and then. Um, there was a workshop held by Chris Germa at um, at a place where I did my um, at uh, my therapy training, and that's how I first got in contact with compassion. Mm -hmm. And um, then I wanted said, oh, like, like compassion really hit me when I when I first did these first exercises with Chris. And um, yeah, then I said, oh yeah, I want to do a PhD on that. And um, that's how I got into the, into the compassion space. First tried. Um, the mindful self-compassion training by Chris Germer with patients. But then I noticed what, what also Paul tells us all the time when he started developing to CFT, that you get all these um, resistances with, um, from, from the people um, and doing compassion exercises. And then I started reading into what Paul has to say. Um, and that brought me to, and brought me to CFT. Just going back to the very first bit that you said, because it's interesting for me, you know, the way that we kind of don't know what on earth we want to do when we're finishing school. Totally. On the other hand, there was something there that made you aware that you wanted to go and do the community service kind of side, you know, perhaps rather than mm -hmm. the military side, I guess, or that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. But so when you think back to that time, what, what, what was going through that young person's mind there? Do you think? Yeah, like it was like, like I, I definitely knew I don't want to go to the military. So right. that was that was like that was a starting point. Yes. Um, um, yeah. And then you can then you can choose like whatever um, kind of community service you want to do in in Germany. Mm. Um, you could like um, ride ride an ambulance car or work in an elderly place, work, yeah, it, it has, there's a lot of um, mm. stuff to choose from. And um, I always felt like, um, and that probably came from my mother, uh, she always worked, she, she did work with, um, and she was a social worker, and um, she also worked uh, in, in her um, younger years, she worked with people with uh, mental disabilities, and, um, and, and we visited a few of these places once, and I always had a had a feeling wow, and that's 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 a great great place to like to to work or to um 
to, to also to learn like I felt very young at, at 19 when I finished high school like mm. I, I didn't feel, feel um, ready to like to to take on a like serious the more serious parts of life yet I, but I thought yeah let's do a community service and that made me um, that um, help, helped growing up uh, a lot I think like um, or to mature a lot um, and get a good um, understanding for what you want to do in life because mm. I didn't feel that uncertainty after school yeah, mm. yeah there, there was it, it was a, a little bit in your blood you know in terms of your yeah mom was all. a helper and and there was that yeah. kind of sense that that you really felt that you would like to do something there to sort of be helpful and and you know kind of a, a totally, compassionate yeah. motivation was was kind mm -hmm. of in there and obviously to come all the way to Australia and 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 do some more um was yeah. um you know kind of you know that that de developed things even further and it, it it's sort of it's almost like by the time you met with Chris Germer or, or read the, the work of Paul Gilbert that really that was putting kind of a name or a process or something to what you were already really sensing within yourself Totally, totally. And it was such a strong feeling when I, when I um, did the first compassion exercise with Chris Germer, uh, closing, having my eyes closed, and, that's it. and I said, oh, wow, that's it. Mm. Yeah. 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 Me too. I, I, I actually um, first experienced MSC with, with Chris Germer and, and Kristen Neff and, and can really relate to what you're saying, that, that kind of just the, the kind of felt sense of of emotion coming up and and kindness being brought to it it was it's it's powerful stuff totally totally yeah and and yet I, also at the same time the the fears blocks and resistances coming up actually that that was part of it too isn't it you know we we notice our own as much as anyone else's yeah yeah mm. um yeah that that part was like I, I first didn't have that part yet felt uh, feeling it for myself. That's mm. what I, I first um, felt that when I tried to do it with patients, like that there can be such strong resistance to yes. it. That was so fascinating as well. Mm. Like how differently it's, uh, it's, um, resonates with people like other patients like felt, Oh, that was great. But you know, some of the more self-critical ones, Wow, they had they, for them it was really hard, and they they even said, "Oh, I don't want to do this ever again." Mm. Um, like, ah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it can be scary stuff. Actually, before we get more into that, I, I wondered if you could tell us about your research work, though your your PhD, mm -hmm. which I, I think was relative. Oh, it's a little while ago now that you completed that, yeah. but yeah, to, yeah, what was the story of the PhD work? Yeah, that was. Um, um, I did a group program then for people with persistent depressive disorder and um, doing a, it was a bit, a bit of a mixed um, study um, with like the four, four, first four sessions of MBCT, then CFT, then eight sessions of CFT and a little bit of loving kindness meditation. Mm -hmm. um, like, so there was um, still a bit of a mixture. Now I do full on CFT, um, but and the PhD, it was like a 12-week program for persistent depressive disorder um, with uh, these uh, ingredients like MBCT, CFT, loving kindness. Mm -hmm. And um, oh yeah, and that, that, and that was like a 
like first I thought, oh, let's do MSC with these people. Mm. But um, that, that we quickly came to the conclusion, oh no, we should do, we should definitely do more CFT um, to deal with the um, difficulties. Mm. And um, that was uh, my, my first um, treatment study that I did. Mm. And um, I also did a, um, uh, a, na a narrative review uh, on, on compassionate loving kindness meditation, which was the biggest success of my PhD because it was published in the Harvard Review of Psychiatry. So that was, um, that was cool. And um, very cool. <laughs> yeah, oh, the, yeah, definitely. And, um, and, and a further study was more focused on emotion regulation. That was, these were the three studies of um, my PhD. But now I'm, um, I'm doing CFT with people with um, mild and moderate intellectual disabilities who have either like anxiety symptoms, depression, um, self-criticism or shame as a, like, as, far as a starting point for the inclusion for the therapy. And that's also very rewarding. Like I, um, you know, you, of, you, of course, you know, Neil Clapton, and mm -hmm. I, I'm a lot of in contact with with him about it, and with Lizzie Goat, and um, Neil created a six-week program. Lizzie did a ten-week program, and I um, extended it a bit to a twelve-week program. Uh, so, and that's what I'm what I'm doing mainly now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then another thing we do is um, there's a um, diagnostic manual for intellectual disabilities. Um, um, which applies uh, the DSM-5 criteria to different levels of intellectual disabilities. Like if, for example, uh, if you have like a depression and a severe mental disability, uh, like intellectual disability, it might show differently than a moderate intellectual disability. And these criteria um, were um, established by an American research group and we translate this whole manual into German at the moment. Also, the fear of compassion scales. No, not the fear of compassion. The compassionate engagement and action scales. I'm, uh, I'm doing a validation study on them, have, having already over a thousand clinical and non-clinical each um, population. So that's going to be published, maybe next year. But uh, that's um, what I'm doing at the moment as well. And um, yeah, some some more stuff in the intellectual disability community, like getting more in diagnostic instruments for the German market validated, like some further depression and anxiety scales. That's what I'm, that, these are my research projects at the moment. Yeah. When you did your PhD with people with more persistent depressive yeah. disorders, yeah. What, what did you sort of find in a, in a process of change sort of a way? Did you notice any particular aspects that sort of uh, help to predict, you know, one way or another as people changed with CFT? Mm, yeah, I think like, it was interesting because the 12 weeks of CFT, they surely like weren't like enough to fully um, go into remission after persistent depressive disorder. Like some of them, um, I, I, I remember the, the mean age, uh, the mean duration of the depression that the people already had was 11 and a half years so um that was that, that was really a, a chronic um disorder like for for them and but 
I, for, for some of them, I, I still kept on uh, seeing after the 12 weeks for individual sessions, like when the study was over. And I, my, my idea, or my takeaway from this was like, even the ones that didn't um, get, get so much better in the group, like a, a little seed was planted already then, like to, to become more kind for, to, towards themselves. And it was like, it took, it may, may have taken much longer, but there was some, some development like still and all the time. And um, I, I still get um, some emails from some of the members who, who, was, who were there and they say, um, um, yeah, it's still, it's still in progress. It's still a work in progress, becoming more self-compassionate. And um, interestingly, like some some of the patients in the in the trial were also um, after the after the trial uh, continuing therapy with other therapists, and they told me as well, like, oh wow, they they already had a lot going like in the, in the process with the the development of um, in towards like the development of being more kind to oneself, mm-hmm. um, being less. Um, Less self-critical, like it, and that's that was my take. That um, it's not possible to maybe change like such a severe disorder in in twelve weeks, but you can definitely plant a seed, and that's um, and that may um, continue to help with healing. It was also the result of the follow-up analysis. The follow-up uh, analysis, like it was only three months after the trial, were even better than the. Um, the post group analysis, like uh, from medium effect size, it went to a large effect size, um, even though there was no more therapy around during that period. Yeah. Yes, I always feel like we sort of learn about it and then we sort of practice it and then we more gradually embody it. You know, it feels like there's those three totally. phases and it, it sounds like in a way you know, that's, that fits with what you found as well, that, that the, the 12-week group absolutely helped people to become more perhaps mind aware and more knowledgeable and perhaps develop some of the skills and so on. But the, the self-criticism's pretty, pretty ground in there, isn't it? And so it, mm-hmm. it just takes time to practice it, practice it, and then, you know, gradually em- embody it maybe over time. But that seed planting, you know, it's important stuff. Yeah. Yeah, t- totally. Um, so yeah, that was great. That was a great experience doing, doing that trial. Um, mm. Yeah, and also like it's it's similar now with people with intellectual disabilities. Yeah. Um, I I I finished our, uh, the first group maybe last year ago, and I still get like messages from from one of the members, and I said, oh, I'm still practicing the a perfect nurturer and help and helps me a lot like it's it's um it's really a more a marathon than a, than a sprint i would say mm. um the whole process yeah more a marathon than a sprint that's such a it's such a sort of it's sort of inspiring in a way isn't it because it, mm. it's it's hard and it's long but it's hopeful yes 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 mm. exactly so so people with intellectual disability and depression is yeah, the, depression the sort of, or anxiety. Yeah. Or depression or, or anxiety. So, yeah. so yeah, what, what have you kind of, um, or, you know, kind of Neil as well that you mentioned, but, um, yeah, what sort of adaptations have you made or what, what does CFT in that kind of group yeah. look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 
we of course we try to make it much less abstract and much more um tangible and um applicable like um, and you it's it's a very colorful manual like um and you work a lot with like illustrations um for example like one thing i find a great example the soothing reading breathing breathing we do it like how do you call these little bubbles that you do with soap like mm. uh yeah like we do it with them to 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 make it more um tangible what slow breathing looks like then like the bubbles don't blast out but it goes like very small, smoothly like because that's an abstract concept for for people with intellectual disabilities like try to breathe very slowly is that doesn't do the job yet yeah mm -hmm. so for the so people with mild disabilities it may but with moderate disabilities it's it takes a lot more to think about how can we or how can i teach this person to do it um yeah that's that's an example yeah we do a lot with like flashcards and emojis what uh, like and to to differentiate what's a compassionate thought or what's a self-critical thought something like that um and it's you, of course you have to um um do more like more repetition maybe yeah and um but what's also great is like for example the three circles model we also do that um and um no like my experience is people with mild disability mild intellectual disabilities they don't have much problem like with the whole material like uh, and they sometimes in a group then to, to teach the people about it with who, have, who might have moderate intellectual disabilities and explain it in their own words and that that helps a lot like i think the group setting helps a lot um um right yeah, of course regarding and uh, like in um shame you know like shame of course gets um smaller if you notice oh i'm not alone with my with, with this problem or and the, the the whole um group cohesion thing helps a lot like it's i really love doing group therapies yeah i have to say yeah so there's there's some um tricks of the trade so to speak there in terms of um you know how to communicate i guess this yeah. stuff and, yeah. and making sure that you communicate it in a way that that is is you know readily accessible for people and and totally. using using pictures and imagery um using examples from their own lives or things they might yeah. you know actually do um and uh, and of course yeah just sort of just that gentle repetition just kind of going through it you know each time yeah um, yeah in fact i think some yeah. of that yeah. is really useful yeah, a lot of for all of our work yeah. um, for definitely and of course lots of lots of practice and discussing how practicing work uh, like uh, discussing the difficulties that arise when practicing mm. that's a big part of every session yeah. mm. would, would every session involve things like eyes closed exercises and imagery and those sorts of elements yeah. of cft yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah uh, like every session definitely has soothing rhythm breathing rhythm breathing mm -hmm. um and then it goes forward like um, compassionate imagery, like um, the place of contentment, we, we call it, not, not a safe place because of this you know, difficulty with um, uh, linking the safeness to the threat system, mm. or safety to the threat system, we call it a place of contentment. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. that's the second exercise. Then um, one of the favorites probably is the, um, uh, like the, imagining a compassionate companion mm. 
that's that's or which could also be an animal or a fictitious person mm. and that's uh, that's what people really liked in the group so far yeah. Mm. Yeah, so actually, there's there's a lot of the the key elements of CFT that that really are applicable here and and work very well. And mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of effort goes into framing them up. But but actually, um, it it you know even the the phrase place of contentment, you know that's that, that that's interesting. That that's a contentment seems like a a sort of a, a somewhat abstract concept in a way, but. Um, Mm. Yeah, in German, maybe the word is a little bit uh, easier. Oh. Platz der Zufriedenheit, but maybe not. I must admit that in a lot, of, a lot of my clinical work too, I, I refer less to safe place imagery and more to kind of calm place imagery, you know, I guess. For yeah, that's great. Calm, oh, yeah, that's also. Mm. Mm -hmm, exactly, yeah. 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 And so with this particular kind of work that you're doing what what are some of the the kind of the challenges that arise there or, or even stuff around the fears blocks and resistances with this group yes one of the difficulties is um you know like is with, with maybe with homework um like that that's maybe easier um with populations which who have no intellectual disabilities like you always need to get and try to get in uh, the, the support system as well like so every the last 10 minutes of every session i i um i bring the um the, the support staff um who brought the people uh in and repeat what we did and repeat what what or tell them what would be great um to do during the next week like uh, like for home regarding homework and um and you like that's one thing that that you need the support system as well because like like reading um like, because they need they need help with reading um the problem with all problems with um resistances the you know like i i think the it's not so much verbally expressed the often like the i have a resistance to that but it's rather like oh it makes me uneasy or it makes me want to smash something, and um, you know, like that's how it how it um, how it shows. And um, then what we do, of course, is like um, normalize it. Yeah, say, oh yeah, that's very normal. That ha that happens, and uh, it's great. what you're doing is great. Like keep on doing it, and like keep on always doing the soothing rhythm breathing first before you go into that stuff. Um, but like, I have to say, I feel there's less resistance in that particular group than in the persistent depression group. Mm. That was stronger in the depression uh, in the persistent depressive disorder group. Mm. Yeah. Yes, because in some ways, the structures around these people, you know, are actually helpful with that, you know, the, the support staff or perhaps families yeah. or support workers can yeah. kind of be there and, and sort of, you know, can um, help with homework and, and practice. And, and that's a beautiful idea yeah. that they're brought in at the end and, and they're completely, you know, sort of yes, up to speed with, with what actually has happened that session. And, and mm -hmm. so um, yeah. you know, in some ways I could imagine that would almost facilitate homework more so. 
Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. We also have like for every session we have a tools tools uh, page handout, um, which um, explains what exactly what was the plan for each session and and the exercises are printed out for them as well. Um, so yeah, they get they get their own manual for for themselves. Yeah. There is a real wraparound feeling with all of that, isn't there? In a way, you know, we're sort of wrapping around these guys and the you guys as yeah. the facilitator are really trying yeah. hard and and the support workers are in there and helping and and the the participants themselves are, are kind of you know supporting each other and and totally of, yeah it's, it's yeah. got a the way you describe it it's got a, a a beautiful feel to it oh totally yeah that's it's really um i'm not exaggerating that's a favorite part of my work like doing yeah. these groups yeah yeah, yeah. And the other thought that occurred to me when you were saying, you know, the the, the sort of the more nonverbal expression, I mean, as a facilitator, mm -hmm. I suppose you kind of, you, you're sort of observing all the time different behavioral dynamics and how things might be expressed, uh, you know, sort of nonverbally, I guess they're not, they're not really going to say I don't feel like I deserve compassion or something, you know, that's yes, no, no, less no. likely to be yeah. spoken like that. Whereas yes. you know, with, with my clients, it, it certainly is. <laughs> um, but with yeah, yeah. It's, it's you guys are, I guess, yeah, really having to be um, quite aware observationally of, of what might that's be the true. That's true. Yeah. That's also a reason why we um, do the, the, these groups are much smaller than like the persistent depressive groups. Like uh, I, the maximum number uh, for these intellectual disability groups for me is six. And I, I learned like it's like four is the perfect number to do a group in, in with uh, that population. And whereas in persistent depressive disorder, we had groups up to 11, like um, that was fine, you know? Mm. Yeah. So yeah, you like also during every exercise, you have to like um, always check in. Like, how is it for you? As is it? Um, and you know, like I we, I take a lot of time then to um, to explore like how every exercise was for every each each and any one of them. Mm. Um, like to to notice um, if you know like. If there are problems and maybe there's shame talking about the problems yeah. it's almost that you have little moments of of, in, of sort of individual interaction with each of them totally. keeping the yeah. group small totally. means that you can yeah. check in and we also did that in the persistent depressive disorder group by the way but with small like that we were two therapists and we we always um put three three patients together then in a small group and then we went around and uh, talked about difficulties because that was an experience there people didn't want to talk in the whole group maybe very openly mm -hmm. and these small groups helped a lot to facilitate that yeah, yeah. actually that yeah. that's a great tip you know even in in larger groups having two therapists or two facilitators means that you can yeah do an exercise and then break up into smaller groups yeah. and everyone yeah. gets a chance to, mm -hmm. to talk a little bit about it. You, you've mentioned a couple of times working with shame in, in the, yeah. the, the stuff you're doing at the moment. Yeah. What are your thoughts there with, I guess, people with the intellectual disabilities that perhaps there's depression or anxiety, but also shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think shame is um, often, um, linked to like for them like 
around the topics for oh I don't learn as well as other people you know like I'm um, um, I have difficulties with learning that's that's mm-hmm. often a, often a, a topic for for these people yeah and um, and there and I think the group process itself already helps with self acceptance it, in that regard because that whole uh, topic about um, I'm not alone with this helps probably to um, to to reduce uh, the shame in that regard. I think, yeah, and also like, like Paul distinguishes between internal and external shame. There's also like experience of, of external shame for them often. You know, like mm-hmm. um, that others treat, didn't treat them well, and um, and um, brought like or created feeling of shame in them and that's something that I often more do in individual sessions, of course, like that we go very deeply into that. But um, yeah, that it's, it's definitely an issue. And Paul, uh, Neil Clapton also wrote a systematic review on that, like regarding shame and intellectual abilities. And he really um, 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 made clear that it's a, a contributing factor for the uh, for the ongoing uh, psychological distress in in this in this population, so I think it's very important to to look out for shame and to um, try you know trying to to normalize the experience and uh, also develop of course compassion for the for the emotions. Yeah. We we often I don't know forget or neglect the fact that people who may have those sort of developmental or, or intellectual disabilities still experience the self-conscious emotions still oh definitely are very you know they're, they're aware of themselves and and yeah. and as you say sometimes they're aware of those capacities and and then become uh yeah very self-conscious or even experience shame around learning mm-hmm. or you know how they might yeah. be seen yeah. by others yeah Exactly. Like what I also try, but it's that's that's actually a part that's more difficult. The multiple selves uh, exercise. You know, mm-hmm. that's where you can address. I think shame can be addressed very well uh, there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's all. You have to very much keep in mind that it might be very abstract again, and mm-hmm. maybe not all people with intellectual disabilities um, will will have an easy time with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said before, you know, that, the, you know, all the time as a facilitator, you're kind of trying to normalize and also affirm people and encourage and support yeah. and, and kind of validate this experience. You know, that there's, mm-hmm. those are some really important um, therapeutic relationship type processes happening yeah. uh, all the time in session. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, yeah, like it's, I also think it's so important, like, to um, to have an eye for the like the nonverbal mood in the in the room. Like, I always I actually learned it from the from the MBCT manual, like, to trying to be grounded before you go into a session, like, and not like always like do when going towards the uh, going through the day before I have uh, these group sessions like not having like a lot of appointments straight before it so that I'm grounded myself. And like also what Paul says, I'm trying to be, talk a little slower and, you know, like, like trying to, to do a, to, to create a great mood and uh, in the group. And that's also 
like that probably also helps with shame i guess yeah yeah that that's some really good good tips as well sort of grounding oneself slowing oneself mm -hmm. down then helps yeah. to kind of I don't know, maybe lead the way a little bit in terms of creating a, a mood in the group that, that is, is kind of yeah. facilitate all of this stuff, especially yeah. around the more tricky topics. The, the exactly. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so on. So um, yeah, what, what, what would you say have been some of your great successes, if you like, or um, triumphs even, especially with this group, because this is a very important area of work that you're doing there what was it, some some successes yeah um like even even if you do um like before every every group I, going through the diagnostics we have to do an an intelligence test as intelligence assessment mm -hmm. and even that can be very rewarding for if, if you if you like um if you're very validating during it um then even that you can create the the feeling for for the person there yeah i'm i'm not all bad with stuff like this i i'm quite good maybe with with um uh, logical um stuff and like even like that that was one of the things i didn't experience and didn't expect before doing work um with intellectual disabilities that even if uh, with in the assessment you can also already boost the um maybe like self-esteem a little bit uh, if you because some, you know some of them would say oh god god not another test i was always bad at tests but even even there you can i think already be validating and um and like i had one guy he was really good in the iq test and um he was then like even like the whole staff was also wow that's that's a great result and like he was already by that so um almost like cured and no more depression um <laughs> yeah. that was cool and but of course also after the group like i told you about that one guy who continues who still yes. sent messages that's that's so great like when i hear from him um like hey mr casa i still I'm still doing the companion, the compassionate companion, and it still helps me. That's that's the biggest success for me. Yeah, it, it's it's um, so important, as you say. You know, the the whole thing really begins with the assessment, doesn't it? You know, if we yeah. can conduct yeah. the assessment in a way yeah. that is respectful and validating yeah. and affirming, yeah. Um, we actually, what you said was so poignant. Now, we, we create the feeling for a person that I'm not that bad. I mean, it's yeah. kind of, it, it, it gives you sort of shivers a little bit to think about. <laughs> if, if a person can go away from that assessment experience and actually, you know, start to, to kind of act, you know, yeah. own that feeling, or maybe I'm not yeah. that bad. I mean, that, that is, that's, that's therapeutic in, in, the, in the greatest sense. Yeah, that's like I get that um, feedback a lot that uh, people really like the um, it's Reynolds intelligence assessment scales. That's a test that they really like the tests. And then also the support staff tell me, oh man, he really liked that last session. Mm. Like that's um, mm. that is um, if you do like I think that's where it already starts being compassionate. Exactly. That was that yeah. that was the other thing I, I sort of jotted down <laughs> was yes, that you, you begin even then this kind of felt sense of probably safeness, yeah. 
um, self-efficacy, yes. but but yeah, also compassion as well. Just begins yeah. to to sort of well that that that's the seed planting bit as well. So yeah. what what about in in your personal life i'm always curious to hear i mean what what do you notice in terms of compassion or self-compassion and how it's just found its way in there mm -hmm. oh that's a good question like um i noticed that a lot when i um when i got into like the whole uh, compassion um topic by you know through chris germa i practice a lot of loving kindness meditation uh, i st still do and um, i think that had a strong effect um for interpersonal relationships like you uh, I, there's one there was one sentence that i that i really think is so powerful in the loving kindness meditation it's like um where you do the loving kindness toward a person you have difficulties with and where you um where it says um, the the person you have difficulties with is 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 on a um, difficult path uh, in life, and on the difficult path they create um, sorrow or pain also for other people, you know. And um, um, but you know then then notice, then developing compassion for that, I think that's very transformative, mm -hmm. you know. Like um, yeah, like I think. The compassion, uh, like loving kindness toward a person with difficult, uh, who have difficulties with, that's a very, um, like transformative um, exercise, I think. And I did that a, quite a bit, and I think that um, that's where I really noticed that um, that helped me, like being being kinder, um, mm. I think. Mm. Um, and but also like um, I try to. Um, tell people about it you know like uh, about the exercises and like even like even just just uh, just um, friends who tell me um you know i have difficulty sleeping or like i'm um aroused a lot then i always i always say hey don't worry i have something great for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually that that's that's interesting that you do that and, and it's sort of kind of it, it, it sort of spreads doesn't it sometimes you know like we yeah, we, yeah. We, we get these ideas and and that we sort of mention them to others and then it, it just sort of it, it kind of spreads but yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree that the sort of the, the the more more general kind of sense of of loving kindness or kindness you yeah. know to, to oneself and to others and even to those mm -hmm. who are who are causing us some problems you know, it's, yeah. it's it is a transformative practice, and it, there's a lot in that, isn't there? There's obviously sort of acceptance and and non-judgment, but almost forgiveness yeah. is is in that yes, that's little totally. line that yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, I think yeah, and I think that's the the exercise who like where I'm, where I noticed the strongest shift in mm. like in my behavior. Mm. But um, like all the exercises I I do. Doing for myself and mm. I um, um, like soothing breathing every day and um, like uh, getting some imagery in as well. I, I love that. And mm. also the stuff that Paul says, you know, like the even if it's um, just like compassion under the duvet, just in the morning saying, Hi, Johannes, how are you? in a, in a yeah. kind voice. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. 
Beautiful. Well, one of the things that I ask people is to see whether you would have three tips that you might sort of, you know, three tips that you might offer others who are on their own compassionate journey, that, that sort of thing. So yeah, what, what might be three tips? Yeah, I would like what I would say is, you know, it, it takes time and um, don't think um, you must feel it all at the beginning. You know, it's like even like the, even the loving kindness for people with difficulties, that's a very advanced exercise, I think. Mm. Don't start with that. Start with, start with um, soothing rain breathing. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I always say. That's, that's the very first basic thing I would always start with. Mm. Um, and, you know, like I would also, also always have a um, focus on how can I um, integrate compassion into my daily life? You know, like and there were um, like the thing with compassion under the duvet, maybe every morning you say, something or every night before you go to bed you do an exercise like trying to bring some you know like um regularity um, um of the praxis into your daily life that would be the second tip and <clears throat> the third i think and maybe maybe the third tip would be um you know don't um don't be too too, too self-critical about it like like if um like i i noticed that myself like when i um like it felt so big when i was still like a phd student like oh wow um do, am i doing it right like the whole like am i doing cft right um like like having uh, gain, gaining that confidence about doing it that took me quite a, quite a while and i would say also to people um like if they're practicing, um, you don't have to feel like uh, confident about it yet. It, it, that's part of the practice. If you like, if you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not good in, I'm not good yet at the practices. I always get distracted. Like that's part of the process. Accepting that, you know, like be, uh, like being, being kind in these moments, and not um, self-critical. Like that. That's probably the last advice. Yeah. It takes time. Start with the yeah. soothing rhythm breathing and, and kind of go from there. How to integrate compassion into daily life. And it's that regularity of practice. Yeah. And don't be too critical. To, to, don't be too yeah. self-critical about it. it yeah. it's, it's hard. And, and um, you know, two steps forward, one step back and, and on, on yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's really great, Johannes. Thanks so much for, for being willing to chat to me today if people were wanting to get in touch or sort of learn more about your work how could they do that they, they uh, through the university homepage uh, if they google my name um, they will find the university homepage and they can they can get in, in contact um, with me over there uh, through there um, yeah that, my email is on there that would be yeah. the easiest yeah. easiest one yeah yeah, and I will actually um, include links to your papers as well, especially okay, the Har okay. Harvard Review. <laughs> 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 yeah. Everyone must have a look at that at least, I think. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. 
All right. Well, um, that'll be good. But yeah, mate, thank you very much to for, for coming and chatting me chatting with me from all the way over there in, in Germany. And, and yeah, look forward to chatting with you again soon. Oh, man. Yeah, hopefully. Okay. Okay. See you then.